Well, uh, through the course of this uh, series that we've been in, we've been uh, tracing the steps of Jesus through the Passion Week, which is the week leading up to ultimately his crucifixion and resurrection. But today, I want to take a one-week detour and look at another image of Jesus, an image of Jesus that I think we would all be wise to choose not to ignore, and I think an image of Jesus that helps us deal with the realities of what we've experienced this week. Jesus said this about himself in John chapter 10. He said, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father, I lay down my life for the sheep. Throughout this chapter, as Jesus talks about himself as the good shepherd, he says several things about his relationship with us. He says that he knows us. He cares about us. He calls us by name. He leads us. And He lays down His life for us. And maybe you want to ask the question, does He really care for me like that? Does, when it gets right down to it, does He really care for me like that? Because that's what we all long for, isn't it? We all long to know that there is somebody who cares deeply about us. There is somebody who understands our struggles. Somebody who knows the hurt that we feel at times in life. That's why so many people uh, tune in every afternoon to Dr. Phil. Do you know that 4.5 million people tune in every afternoon to watch Dr. Phil and 6.6 million people turn in to watch Oprah because they're looking for somebody that they feel like can understand what's going on in their life. But let me tell you this. I guarantee you, Dr. Phil and Oprah don't know those people that are watching. Jesus said, I know my sheep. And so for a few minutes, I want to look at a very familiar psalm in the Old Testament. It is one that, it's a poem that King David wrote. It is probably the most familiar, most often read passage in the Bible other than John 3.16. As David writes this poem, he writes it from the perspective of a sheep. A sheep who describes the care of his shepherd. And I think it offers to us some great wisdom and insight. It's Psalm 23. And so if you brought your Bibles today, would you open it up to that? Now, I don't know if you're like me, but I have heard this read so many times growing up from the old King James Version. In fact, maybe you memorized it that way. Maybe that's the way that you know its words best. And so I uh, pulled my King James Version Bible off of my shelf this week, and I want to read it to you from there. In fact, would you stand together with me as we read God's Word today? And if you're comfortable, go ahead and feel free to read this right along with me. Psalm 23, verse 1, it says this, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for Thou art with me. Thy rod and Thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over." Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Thank you. You can be seated. You know what? Jesus knows about sheep and shepherds. After all, this is old stomping ground. David knew, David spent years out in the fields as a shepherd watching over his sheep. And so if anybody could tell us, about the relationship between a shepherd and his sheep. It's David. He has some great insight that I want to try to unwrap for us today. At first I noticed this. 
David expresses tremendous confidence in a God who provides. He says this in Psalm 1.1, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. During World War II, or just at the end of World War II, there were officials who went around and gathered up homeless children. They had been left homeless for a number of different reasons. They provided shelter and care for them and plenty of food. But they noticed after a little while that these children simply weren't sleeping well at night at all. They were restless. And so one psychologist had an idea. And each night when the children would go to bed, they would hand each of them a piece of bread. If they wanted others to eat, they could have them. But this one they were just to to hold that night as they slept. You know what began to happen? Those children began to sleep soundly through the night. Because suddenly they were no longer worried about, will there be food for me tomorrow? They knew that there would be. Sheep instinctively know that their shepherd already has a plan for their grazing the next day. If the shepherd provided for me today, he will provide for me tomorrow. This verse, verse 1, the Hebrew word that's used there, actually has the connotation of nothing at all lacking in my life. Now, maybe you say, well, wait a minute. Does that mean David is saying that God is going to provide for all of my wants? No. No, that is not true, and we know that's not true from other things we read in the Bible. God never promises to provide for all that I want. I'm telling you, there are a lot of things I want in life, but I don't have them. There are a lot of things in life that I want to be different. There are things about this week that I want to be different. But God never promised that He would give me what I want. He did promise, as our shepherd, that He would take care of our needs. Robert Kitchen tells about a little Sunday school class of children. There were a variety of ages in the room, and the teacher was teaching about Psalm 23. And so she said to the children as she began, could anyone stand and quote Psalm 23? Well, one little four-and-a-half-year-old girl shot her arm in the air, and the teacher thought, I, I can't imagine she can quote this whole thing. But she said, okay, give it a try. And the little girl said, the Lord is my shepherd. That's all I want. She was absolutely right. The Lord is my shepherd. And He has said, I will supply all of your needs. And that's all I want. Verse 2 says this, He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Do you know that sheep don't lie down very easily? They have to often be made to lie down. And the only way that they will really lie down and rest is if they are content, and relaxed and fulfilled. You know what? We're not very good at lying down and resting either, are we? We are so restless, so driven, so on the go, so struggling, so asking, so pursuing. It's also true that uh, there is an instinctive nature in sheep that they will not drink from moving water. Now, it's probably a good thing. Their fear is well-founded because when they... They're not good swimmers. In fact, they're terrible swimmers. And just imagine if they got in the water and they get all of that heavy wool wet, you can just picture what happens. And so if the stream is moving, sheep will not drink from it. And so a good shepherd leads his sheep, and as he does, he looks for still water where they can quench their thirst. And if they don't find still water after a while, then often he will go to the side of a river and take stones and kind of create a dam and a still pool so that his sheep can drink. David says of our shepherd that he leads us to quiet waters. He wants to give us moments where we can 
rest. Where we can learn to be content. Where He can quench our spiritual souls. Our spiritual thirst. And He can restore our hearts. It says this then. Another thing that I noticed. David also expresses confidence in a God who protects us. Did you notice as you read those first three verses that the pronoun for God that's used is He. But if you read the last three verses, the reference to God switches from He to you. In the beginning, God seems a little more distant, a little more abstract, but when He moves into the last part, He becomes very up close, very personal. Do you know why? Because when you walk with someone through the valley of the shadow of death, it gets very personal. Verse 4 says this, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for Thou art with me. Thy rod and Thy staff, they comfort me. I'll tell you something about myself that probably I really shouldn't admit because I know what your opinion of me is going to do. It's going to go right down the tube. But uh, anybody that thought I had any bravery or courage, forget it. Um, I uh, haven't been lately, but I uh, often get up and walk in the mornings uh, for some uh, physical exercise. And uh, honestly, I got out of the habit when the weather was so cold and um, just didn't want to go out in that. But um, there have been times when I am out walking and, uh, you know, when the moon is out full, causes a shadow while you're walking. Well, I will admit to you more than once, I have been out walking and see, I've seen something out of the corner of my eye and I thought somebody was there. And so I've walked a little faster. They walked a little faster. So I walked a little faster. And so did they. And then finally I would realize, oh, it's my shadow that I'm running from. I, I'll even go so far as to tell you, one time I was walking like that Saw my shadow out of the corner of my eye and actually jumped. Then I looked around to see, is anybody else outside? Shadows can be frightening. Especially the shadow of death. A lot of other shadows we tend to take on ourselves. We, we think we can fight the, the shadow or the enemy of our own restlessness, our own pain, our own ridicule, our own suffering by ourselves. But our own courage, our own strength by itself leaves us helpless in the face of the shadow of death. Without our shepherd, we don't have the strength to deal with it. It is only the shepherd who has the ability to take us by the hand and to lead us through the valley of the shadow of death to the other side. You know, there really is a place uh, in the Old Testament uh, in that area of the country that was known as the Valley of Death. It was a place where shepherds would lead their sheep from Palestine to Jerusalem, but it was a very, very treacherous, difficult, risky, dangerous trail. It was a forbidding journey. But you know what? Those sheep, they would follow their shepherd without any fear, it seems. How can that be? Because the sheep understood if the shepherd was leading the way, they could trust him. And friends, I want to tell you this morning, our shepherd wants to lead us, and you can trust him. I am confident of this. Romans says this about our relationship with God. Paul writes in Romans 8, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all of creation, nothing 
will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing, nothing causes Jesus our shepherd to stop loving us or to abandon us. When my son Michael was in middle school, we discovered that he had a non-malignant growth in his head that had to be removed through a very difficult and risky surgery. And so that was uh, scheduled, and uh, before that surgery could be done, there was a procedure that had to be done the night before. And after that procedure, he had to be watched very carefully. And so throughout that night, after that procedure, I stayed with him. I was not about to leave him for any reason. I was there to comfort him. I was there to hold the bucket, if you get my drift. I was not leaving my son's side or anything. And I want you to know this morning that God does not abandon us. He will not leave our side. He is always there to care and to comfort us. You can count on it. Now, let me make this really clear. That does not mean that He fixes everything. The Bible never promises that God, even as our shepherd, though He is always with us, that He fixes everything. It doesn't happen. And I want to tell you this morning, for all of us, God has not abandoned us. He didn't flee this week. He has been with us. Sometimes I think we struggle to understand the goodness and the justice of God. We have this idea that God ought to be good and just by our definition. Let me ask you this morning, what does it take for God to be good and just? We ask that question especially when someone who is so young dies. But at what age does it become good and just? Is it good and just if God spares the life of everybody who is under 20? Everybody who is under 40? Everybody who is under 50? Everybody who is under 80? Everybody who is under 100? At what point? Where is the line for goodness and justice? What about diseases? Should God stop certain diseases? And if so, which ones? Should God stop us from going out of the house to avoid a dangerous accident? Should God take a knife in someone's hand that tries to turn it into a weapon and turn it into butter so that it doesn't harm anyone? Where is the line that suddenly it is good enough for us to declare that God is good and just? You see, given our human nature, given the nature of man and our world that we live in, God would literally have to change every law of nature, every physical law of nature to be perfectly good and just by the way that we often try to define it. Look at verse 5. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Sheep, when they are out in the field, often they will, as they're digging for grass, they sometimes will cut their noses on a a sharp rock or they will run up against thorns and, and bristles and they will scratch themselves. And so when a shepherd brings his sheep at the end of the day back into the sheepfold, he will stand at the gate of the sheepfold and as every sheep passes by, he takes a moment to personally examine them to see if they have any cuts, scratches. And if he finds a wounded sheep, he takes some healing oil And He applies it to that sheep so that their body will heal. I don't know about you, 
But I've needed some oil at the end of the day this week. I've needed the shepherd to put some oil on the wounds that I have felt and to restore my troubled heart. You know what? A sheep who happens to wander away from the flock during the day or a sheep that runs out of fear and panic away from the shepherd doesn't get the tender, healing touch of the shepherd at the end of the day. Don't run from God. Don't wander from the flock. Stay connected. Stay in touch. Trust the shepherd to apply the soothing oil of healing that we need. One more thing I noticed in verse 6. It says this. Got my pages loose. There we go. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of the life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And I want to tell you, friends, this is our greatest hope. And this may be God's greatest promise. Because He says to us, not that He's going to take away all of our pain, but He says to us there is a moment when there will be an end to the pain. At that moment, when all of us who are followers of Jesus Christ move from this life into the house of God that will last forever, Jesus' greatest promise to us was our hope in heaven. His greatest promise was that He will take us by His hand and lead us out of our pain, ultimately, completely. And we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know, I think we have been reminded this week just how fragile life can be. And that fragility reminds me that I need a shepherd to care for me. But I also need a Savior. A Savior a savior who has paid the price for my sin by dying on the cross. A Savior who, when I trust in Him, makes it possible for me to know that someday I can dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I'm telling you, that will be a great moment of victory and a great moment of celebration. And so could I say to you, if you are in this place today with a very open heart, if today you don't know Jesus as your Savior, I cannot promise you tomorrow. But I can promise you the opportunity today to step across the line of faith, to decide that you're going to trust Jesus to be your Savior, that you're going to admit to Him that, you know what, I have messed up along the way. I am guilty of sin, and I can't pay the debt of that sin myself. And so I'm accepting the gift of the payment of your death on the cross. I accept you as my Savior. I want you to be the leader of my life. If that's you today, at the end of the service, I will be right down here in the front. I would love to greet you, talk with you, pray with you, and point you to Jesus. He wants to be your Savior. And He wants to be your Shepherd. I cannot imagine having lived through the experiences of this week without a Shepherd who walked with us. God, I thank You that Jesus is our Shepherd. I thank You for the hope that is found in Him. God, I thank You for the soothing oil that is promised to us when we stand hurting and wounded. And God, we would say to You today, pour out the oil on us. We're wounded. God, I thank You for the promise that our Shepherd is always with us. 
He's never abandoned us. He never flees. And God, thank You for His presence today. And Father, now even as we continue to worship, through Your Spirit, would You just pour out some of that oil on our hearts and continue the process of healing us. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.